Did you know that each episode of the Digitally Irresistible podcast is recorded on video? You can access the video by clicking the episode notes on your podcast player. Scroll to the bottom of the notes and click on the video link. Or just visit the iCore YouTube channel. You're listening to the Digitally Irresistible podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people. Brought to you by iCore. Each episode features someone who sheds a little more light on the ins and outs of delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. And now, here's today's guest. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Borges. Today's guest is Alec Dalton. Welcome, Alec. Bernie, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have. So am I. Thank you so much for being here. Alec, you are co-founder and managing partner of the Hospitality Leadership Academy, which is a firm that offers professional development programs and management consulting, all focused on service excellence. And in your career, you've operated five luxury properties, as well as held various corporate positions with hospitality industry pioneers like Marriott International, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, and Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. You're a frequently sought speaker on customer experience and quality strategy. That's why you're here. And you're a contributor to several international best-selling books. You also operate a consultancy that helps businesses, brand names, and boutiques alike design and deliver five-star services. Alec, on this episode, I'm excited to discuss with you the role of quality management in customer experience. But first, Alec, let's begin with your backstory. Tell us your backstory. How did you get to where you are now? Well, Bernie, thank you for that very kind introduction. And it's been a really fun career that began to a certain extent when I was eight years old on a family vacation to Walt Disney World. After spending the morning in the Magic Kingdom and getting ready to go enjoy fireworks later that evening, I remember having lunch with my family talking about the experiences that we'd been enjoying, sharing some initial memories. And out of the corner of my eye, a custodial cast member, it's a cast member is a term for employees in Disney's jargon, uh, was cleaning a nearby table. And it kind of clicked for me that all of those memories, all of those experiences were the byproduct of great people like him who were doing important jobs in various functions across the resort uh, to make the magic happen. And after becoming a bit obsessed, if you will, with the way that Disney does it, I learned that there are other organizations out there who do the same thing. I studied hospitality at Boston University. Along the way, I also worked in uh, the variety of different hotels and resorts that you described earlier, spent some time in the quality function in different corporate offices. And now it's an absolute pleasure to be able to help organizations, large and small, brand name and boutique, develop their own five-star services uh, by training their teams through executive and leadership development programs, through custom frontline training programs, and also through ad hoc management consultancy. Like you said, all focused on quality management, HR, and customer service. And I do that both with uh, my firm, the Hospitality Leadership Academy, as well as with uh, Accelerate Learning Systems, uh, another partner company. I must say, Alec, in uh, all the episodes that I've recorded on the Digitally Irresistible podcast, when I ask for the backstory, you're the first to actually go back to age eight. <laughs> so, 
Very impressive. Little did you know that you actually were experiencing or witnessing quality management in action where you were watching that cast member clean that table. So great segue to, for us to really dive into the, the sort of the, the main purpose, the topic that we want to discuss, and that is quality management. Let's begin, Alec, with putting a definition to quality management. What is quality management in the context of customer experience? It, it's such an important question to answer. I think every organization ought to have a philosophy around quality. And in my personal opinion, there are actually three definitions of quality. The first relates to conformance to company standards. Each company, especially those with really prominent and pronounced brands, will have some expectation for the way work gets done and the way outputs are produced. So uh, the conformance to those expectations is one way to assess quality. A second way to measure quality is thinking in terms of both competitors and almost a general marketplace that our customers might exist in. How are your competitors performing? What are they doing uh, to meet your customers' needs? Where are they failing? Uh, and what expectations do your customers bring in from analogous businesses? So for example, in the hotel business, it's very common for you to check in at the front desk and talk with a person for a couple of minutes before you go up to their your guest room. Mm -hmm. And recently, there's been a lot of innovation right around mobile technology and being able to do a mobile check-in on your phone with certain brands. But if you look to the airline industry, for example, why couldn't you go to a kiosk and check in like you do for you know your seat on an airplane? Um, also, using airlines as an example, why can you select your seat on a plane in most airlines cases, but not select your room in the hotel before you even arrive? Good point. Uh, those thoughts, those analogous uh, expectations that customers have, again, from your own industry, as well as from other industries, influence a perception of competitive quality. But I think the most important definition of quality, especially as it relates to customer experience, is all about customer satisfaction. Okay. For a particular customer coming to your business with their own unique wants, needs, and expectations, are you delivering the products and services that are satisfying those needs? You don't need to be exceeding them in all cases, but you need to at least attempt to meet the bar that they've set. And if you can't, help them to find a way to get there. And I think that's where customer experience and customer success and customer service all start to have an interplay, is really all around that, that, um, that crux of quality. Put your contact center in the cloud with iCore. We help brands reimagine their customer journey by deploying digital technology that provides personalization and automation where it matters most. Building a scalable customer experience that streamlines every customer touchpoint into a single platform. Smile with iCore. Learn more at iCore.com. Okay. I like the fact that you break it up into three components, three sort of uh, levels of, of quality management. And, you know, if I wear my consumer hat and you know, like we're all consumers, right. And I think about my own experiences every time I go somewhere as a consumer, I can't help but compare right. the experience I'm having in the moment to other experiences with like brands. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good segue to our next question. And that is, how, how can brands use quality management to actually improve their CX design? You know, it's, it's a, 
I think, an, an essential aspect of customer experience that too often is overlooked. And there are a lot of reasons why that happens. And I don't think we necessarily need to go into those, but rather simply address the fact that quality brings some ready-made frameworks that CX professionals can use to both design as well as to improve their experiences. One of my favorites is the framework from the world of Six Sigma, um, which is a, a quality framework that's all about reducing inconsistency in an operation and ultimately improving uh, the way that that business runs from an efficiency and from an effectiveness standpoint. And the framework is uh, known by its acronym DMAIC, which stands for uh, define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. And uh, I actually wrote about this in a chapter in one of the books that I had the privilege of co-authoring, simply called Customer Experience. You can actually see it behind me here. Um, but the, the premise is, uh, for many customer experience professionals so familiar with journey mapping or service blueprinting or something to that effect, you want to define the experience that you're going to deliver, both the actual experience as well as the outcomes and byproducts. What does the customer leave with, whether it be memories or products or something else along the way? You want to make sure that you're measuring the key touch points along that journey and identifying those particular key moments of truth that are especially important to driving satisfaction for that customer. You also can, along the way, measure some of the business operating metrics so that you can address compliance quality and competitive quality too. We've just covered define, right? We've got measure. Now you want to analyze. You want to track those key areas over time and make sure that you're actually satisfying your customers. Make sure that the standards that your business has are actively meeting the needs of your customers or guests. And uh, making sure that those standards as well are with parity to your competitors, that, that second dimensional quality like we talked about earlier. That analysis comes into play really to give you a pulse on the business. And uh, from there, you want to improve. You want to find those opportunities where you can take things to the next level. And control, the final component of DMAIC, is all about repeating that cycle on an ongoing basis to make sure that you're at least sustaining a level of quality, if not, again, improving it and delighting your customers even better in the longer term. In your experience, Alec, how common is it for brands in the hotel, hospitality, entertainment uh, industry to actually be implementing that that process that you just explained using that acronym? It's actually fairly common. Um, there are many organizations that have embraced certain parts of the Six Sigma philosophy or lean manufacturing. The challenges that oftentimes scare a lot of service businesses away from those frameworks is that they're fairly data intensive and really do focus on consistency. And so uh, whereas Six Sigma and Lean, both of them were developed in the manufacturing world where you've got production plants popping out widgets left and right along you know, certain uh, process flow. And, and there's certainly a, a high degree of metrology that you can use to measure the consistency and the quality. It's a lot harder to do that when you're talking about people. It's a lot harder to measure emotion on the part of a customer or on the part of an employee delivering service. And yet there are ways of doing that. And so uh, many organizations within the hospitality business, and frankly, uh, a lot of B2C businesses, as listeners will be familiar with, um, will know about mystery shopping, uh, using voice of the customer channels like uh, surveys and social mm -hmm. media feedback. It's about finding those sources and mining them. And the other kind of preview of coming attractions is the fact that 
as video recognition and artificial intelligence technology, especially from a virtual reality standpoint, continue to gain foothold in our society, there are going to be even more powerful ways to monitor human behavior through the use of uh, appropriate um, video monitoring and and cadenced uh, listening technology. Okay. So there's a cost to um, putting these processes in place. There's a cost Absolutely. to managing quality quality management. Um, I want I want to talk to that, but I actually want to take it from the other extreme, and that is, what is the cost when it's done poorly to a brand? What is the the cost of poor quality management to a brand? So here's one of my other favorite frameworks from the world of quality. I accidentally, or incidentally, excuse me, wrote a, uh, a chapter in, in the second customer experience book about this. And the framework is called The Cost of Quality. And it's all about the premise that, that you were describing there. What happens when things go wrong? And how do you prevent it from happening in the first place? Um, you know, think about, let's say, um, let's say you're, you're going to stay in a hotel. And you check in and the front desk agent's lovely and provides exceptionally friendly service. And you get up to your guest room and the room is spotlessly clean and the bathroom is beautiful and sparkling. And you tuck in at the end of the day for a good night's sleep. And all of a sudden you hear the door open and another guest walks in and realize that they've been checked into the same room that you are. Oops, big oops, right? Now you've got two customers who are understandably going to be pretty upset about the experience. Um, in a situation like that, uh, you know, obviously there are probably implications about negative word of mouth that might spread. There might be rebates or with uh, refunds or some other accommodations to make sure that the guests get satisfied and pacified. Um, and so the mistake on the part of however, whichever system or process allowed a guest to get checked into the same room, that breakdown incurred all of these uh, costs from poor quality by design. And so what the cost of quality framework does is essentially boils down the costs associated with quality into two groups. On one hand, you have costs associated with conformance. And on the other, you have costs associated with non-conformance. So let's kind of break these down a little bit. The conformance costs, they fall into two buckets. You've got appraisal costs and prevention costs. Your appraisal costs are going to be um, things like inspecting um, parts or supplies before production begins or before a service is conducted, um, standing up quality assurance programs, performing inspections, things like that are all part of the appraisal of quality. It costs money and time and effort and labor to do that, but in doing so, you can prevent you know, faulty parts or, or faulty experiences from moving further through your supply chain and your production process. The prevention costs are somewhat of a similar nature. Oftentimes they're more from kind of an inbuilt design standpoint. Uh, many of them go by a, a Japanese term called pokeyoke, which uh, we often affectionately refer to as foolproofing. But these are the measures that you put in place to, to keep accidents from happening. Um, they might be in a digital world, uh, preventing uh, an employee or a customer from being able to skip a certain part of a transactional process. It might pop up a warning sign or um, a cautionary message, or you might not even be able to proceed and, until you fill out the required fields, for example. Those are examples of preventative measures. And again, there's cost to design and to build and, and implement those, but those costs oftentimes are much more advantageous than the cost of nonconformance. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. the costs when things go wrong, the cost, mm-hmm. as your uh, question teed up, Bernie, of poor quality. Uh, on one hand, you've got those external costs, many of them opportunity costs, the upset customer, the angry guest, the person who's going to be spreading negative word of mouth is never going to be staying with you again, or will, but under the pretense that you've got to kind of make up for what you did wrong with those the, the refunds and the rebates and the gift baskets of fresh fruit and et cetera, et cetera. But you also have internal costs that you're incurring when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, when mistakes happen, your rework needs to occur. Um, there might be some waste that happens uh, along the part of doing that rework. Employee morale gets affected. And so um, accounting for those external and internal failure costs, those costs of nonconformance, helps us to essentially create a balancing act where uh, an ideal level of quality, at least from a financial standpoint, is not perfect quality. Because that's astronomically expensive, and especially in services businesses, almost unavoidable. Accidents happen, we're human beings, right? Exactly. But we want to reach that balancing act where the costs of preventing and and evaluating quality can help us to bring uh, the the cost of failure as low as possible. So it sounds, Alec, like you've written extensively on the, the cost factor. And it really boils down to kind of two buckets at a higher level, right? The cost of designing and implementing quality management, there is a real cost to that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a cost when it's done poorly or it's just uh, implemented in improperly. And there's a cost to that. And sometimes that cost is is a little less tangible, but nonetheless very material because the, the customer right. can be impacted. The example that you gave, you know, creates an amazing visual, right? Of someone literally walking into your room at two o'clock in the morning when you sound asleep in a hotel room. So um, thank you for, for, uh, for explaining that. And again, I'm sure you go into a lot more detail on that in your book. Um, so I, I want to segue now to our final question and, and that is our fun question. But before I do that, Alec, I do want to ask you, uh, you know, we've got people who are watching the video right now. And then we have people that are also listening on an audio only podcast. So why don't we, you share with them, where can you point them to, to connect with you and learn more about what you've got going on? Absolutely. It's my pleasure to connect with colleagues all across the business. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Alec Dalton, or you can go to alecdalton.com. And I'm more than happy to to engage in conversation there and and see what relationships we can develop. Fantastic. So those that are watching, will see that on screen. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast, just scroll down to the show notes and you'll see it there. Well, Alec, we do get to our final question, and we do have this tradition here on the Digital Irresistible podcast. We like to know, when you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? Well, being in the hospitality business, I can't help but love to travel. And uh, last year, I had a unique opportunity to visit all 50 states within the course of the year. And this year, I'm trying to figure out where my next destination is going to be. And uh, as the world reopens up, I've got my eyes set abroad. So we'll see where you catch me next, Bernie. (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, I think a lot of people would be envious of that, but so enjoy it. Uh, that That's fantastic. Uh, you deserve it. Thank you. Well, Alec, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here on this episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast. I really like this topic a lot, you know, quality management, quality improvement, quality maintenance, all things quality and customer experience. It's an important topic. Uh, I think we need to be talking about it more often in the context of customer experience. 
clearly you've got a great expertise on it. And I just want to thank you for sharing some of your wisdom on this topic with us here today. Oh, Bernie, thank you for your graciousness as a host. And thank you to everybody in the audience who's joined us in this conversation as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital Irresistible podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people, delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. Brought to you by iCore. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss future episodes.